Hi, everyone. This is Yael Averbush West. Welcome back to Football Americana, a 90 Min podcast. I'm really excited for this conversation with Matt Turner, uh, currently goalkeeper for the New England Revolution and the U.S. men's national team with 12 caps, I believe, if I'm up to date on that. Uh, Last year's Revolution MVP, this year made two penalty saves in the MLS All-Star Game and was just announced as the MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. And I do have to share that Matt is a fellow New Jerseyan and I'm probably, I would say I'm like not number one Matt Turner fan. Cause I'm sure you have family and stuff that's in that group, but like I have to be in the top five because real quick before I, uh, jump in and get to, you know, Matt's background and we hear from him, I do want to share, I met Matt actually playing pickup in Clifton, New Jersey. And at the time I didn't even know he was a goalkeeper because he was playing on the field all winter. And at the very end of the winter, I think I asked him like, Oh, what team do you play for? And he shared that he was going back to play in new England at the time as a third string. And so for me to, from that point on, watch you, Matt, uh, you know, and where you've taken your career, I like, I, I'm a, I'm all about Matt Turner. So I'm <laughs> seriously, I feel like top five fan, I could say like not number one, but maybe top five. So I yeah, want to start I think a little bit. Okay. Thanks. I appreciate that you yeah. confirmed that. <laughs> um, I want to start a little bit with your soccer upbringing, which is um, definitely different than most pro players you talk to. You know, you started playing late when you were 14 um, and didn't even play club to your 16 kind of uh, got into it a little later. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your first soccer experience? Did you just not even know about soccer? Were you not interested before that kind of, why did you start and why did you start then? Yeah. So I, I started when I was really little, like I played, you know, those youth youth teams, you know, just in town and whatever, but uh, I've, I grew up in a small town in North Jersey and with two older sisters that were uh, big soccer players. So I was always following them around uh, from practice to practice and sort of my, my parents, they didn't know what to do with me. I was an active kid. I liked playing sports. Um, so instead of me running around the park or playground or whatever, doing whatever I wanted uh, to sort of keep me under wraps, they would uh, involve me in the practices, you know, and that typically meant me jumping in goal and letting the girls all shoot on me. Um, so that was really my first real introduction into soccer. And then from there, I, I, I joined, uh, one team when I was, I think 10 and I hated it. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I asked the coach if I could be the the goalkeeper and he said, no. So I quit. I stopped playing soccer right then and there. And I, I got, went back into playing American football and, uh, just played that until I got into high school. And when I got into high school at, at five foot four, 105 pounds, it wasn't, American football wasn't really looking too great for me. I went to a school where, where they're a perennial football powerhouse in, in North Jersey at St. Joe's. And, um, and so I joined, I joined the soccer team and, uh, it w- I was going to a new school. I wanted to, you know, get to know new people and, uh, you know, sort of integrate myself into the, into the, into the school that way. And that, that was how I was going to make friends and stay in shape for basketball and baseball really. So that, that was kind of my intro into the game. And, uh, you know, shortly after that, I started to really enjoy it just because of the people and the cultures that I was surrounded by. 
Oh yeah. And I can imagine that one coach who didn't let you play goalkeeper feels a little bit <laughs> silly. Right yeah. Now. I wonder if he's heard my story now and he's like, dang, I should have, I should have put him in goal when he asked. Um, I, I wonder if he knows, like if he hears these things, he knows I'm talking about him. I hope he does. <laughs> Maybe we'll send him this podcast and be like, Hey, you should listen. Yeah. So I'll connect hey, this with is you all about his you. contact information. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He's actually a genius. Um, so yeah. but why, why goalkeeper though? Like why was it just cause you played other sports with your hands or like, why did you actually want to do that? Yeah, it's a weird one. I I could never really put my finger on it. I think it was something about the challenge of being a goalkeeper. I think it was uh, about being a little bit different. Um, everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to um, make the final pass and do all those things attacking wise. But nobody really wanted to, um, you know, to go in goal, to hop in goal. It just seemed like a thankless job and uh, something that was very challenging. And it also if you're really good at it, uh, you take away something that everybody else really wants. And I didn't have necessarily the easiest childhood. It was, it was tough growing up as from in a Jewish background and an Italian Catholic community, uh, sometimes. So it was nice to have, uh, nice to kind of go against the grain in some ways. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we do have that in common as well being, there are not that many Jewish athletes at the top level. So, uh, get ready. I think you're going to be, uh, contacted for a lot of stuff on, yeah. on that. Cause I think, you know, I find that myself as people always want to talk, talk about being a Jewish athlete, you know, as a professional, it's just, um, there, it, you know, especially on holidays, I always realize how, yeah. uh, how unique that is. Totally. Um, so do you think, were there any unique advantages now in retrospect to the fact that you weren't super serious in the youth soccer scene growing up? Um, has it served you well in any ways or is like, how, how has that played out in terms of your success now? Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword because there, in a lot of ways, I really wish that I did, that coach did say yes. And I did get to learn a lot about myself as a goalkeeper. And I did uh, sort of get to climb through the ranks that way. I think maybe my career would have taken a different trajectory. So mine was kind of like this, all of a sudden a spike, maybe it would have been more of a slow climb. I, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I would have hated it. You know, maybe I would have stopped loving soccer and I would have continued to play baseball instead. Um, so who knows? I, I, one of the biggest advantages of my background has to be um, just the fact that I, I, I always feel like I can learn. I always feel like I have room to learn and grow and get better. And, and I think that, understanding and being aware that, you know, self-aware that, you know, I don't know everything, um, is, is really useful. And, you know, I can, I can learn something from anybody because they, chances are, if I'm playing with them, they've been playing soccer for a longer, longer period of time than I have. So, uh, that, that's all really great. And also typically when, you know, I find when goalkeepers are really great when they're younger and then in high school and academy and in college, they're playing on the best teams and they're not tested in ways where um, a goalkeeper who might be on a worse team is tested uh, physically, mentally, uh, just the, the situationally, the things that they're seeing on the field. Um, and, you know, in high school, my team was terrible. <laughs> Even in college, my team wasn't that great. Um, and I was busy. I, I, I had a lot to do in games. I think I played two years of varsity soccer um, in high school. I played probably a total of 30 something games. And I had like over 300 registered saves. Like my team was bad, wow. <laughs> but I saw a lot of the ball. And I think that that was another advantage, um, growing up that way is, and now you see it in the professional ranks. Like I'm a great shot stopper. That's definitely my biggest asset, but that's what I was exposed to the most, you know, as I was in my formative years, I'll call them. 
Yeah, no, that's so interesting. It's probably very unique to your position as well. Yeah. It's not true for most positions that you could just step on the field on a week or team and really get to the elite level. So yeah. interesting there. Well, I guess that kind of goes in tandem with something I'm curious about too, is do you have a first memory or story where you were like, wow, I'm good. Like I could play at the next level, whether it was in high school, playing college or college thinking of playing professionally? Um, not really a specific moment. Uh, I definitely had a couple friends sort of joke with me when I was in high school um, because I started really getting into soccer. Come my junior year, I start. I was really into it. I was going to Red Bull games. I was um, a, just an avid fan watching it all the time. Whatever was on in the afternoon, Premier League, uh, Champions League, you name it, I was watching it. And um, I, and, and then I would call my buddies and say, Hey, can you come meet me at the field? Like, I want to try this, that, or the other. I didn't have a really a formal goalkeeper coach. I was just trying, trying things I saw on TV or trying things I saw on YouTube and seeing if I could, you know, get better on my own. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say there was definitely a specific moment, but definitely a couple of my friends when I was in those times where we were messing around at the field, they're like, dude, you're, you're good. Like you can play in MLS someday. And I just kind of like laughed it off because there I was with no college offers, you know, and my friends telling me that I could play in MLS someday. I just thought that they were crazy. Yeah, no, that's funny. And that kind of goes right into it. You must see my notes here because I was going to ask, you know, what what players like who were some of the first goalkeepers you were watching that you want to go out to the field and imitate? Yeah, uh, Muslera, the guy he's at uh, Galatasaray right now, he's playing for the Uruguay national team. Uh, at the time when I started, I really loved just his swagger about his game. I love that he was wearing like all the same color in the, in gold uh, in the 2010 World Cup. And then from there, I just would I looked up on Google. I'll never forget it. Like best goal, best goalkeeper saves and a 10 minute video of Peter Schmeichel came up. And uh, that that was the video that I saw where I was like, whoa. This is an amazing position. It's so unique. Um, I watched a ton of sports growing up. You name, like I loved playing baseball, basketball, and football, obviously, and I watched them religiously. But after watching the way Peter Schmeichel had control of his body um, and all the different facets of his game, it, it just blew me away. And I thought to myself that there was nothing. I've never seen anything like this in my life, this position, first of all, and also the sport of soccer, just the passion that goes into it. Um, from the fans and, and the way it brings people together. Um, I just had never seen anything like it in sports here in the United States. So it was uh, it was definitely a big draw. And, and, and that was really sort of what got me really into soccer. Yeah, it's so interesting because you did have like a pretty traditional American sports upbringing, <laughs> which is not typical. I think for most people who are really focused in on soccer, it's like it was always soccer and then, you know, maybe some other sports on the side. But you were really uh, the traditional American athlete in a lot of ways. Totally. Um, and speaking of that, do you have a first memory like when you hear U.S. soccer, do you have a first memory of the national team or anything that sticks out as your first recognition that there was, you know, you could represent your country to play soccer? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, all growing up, you know, you always heard about it, but I didn't really get into it too much. The first time I was religiously following the U.S. men's national team uh, was the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And then subsequently, the 2011 uh, women's World, FIFA Women's World Cup uh, for the U.S. women's national team. I, uh, I would watch those avidly and I, I was uh, I was really into it. So those would be my first two summers of really being into U.S. soccer as a whole. Yeah, no, and that's interesting. So 
I think I love too that you watch the women's game. I've seen some stuff uh, that you've put on Twitter about that too, which I, I always appreciate. And so I want to get into that a little more, but first want to talk about you now as a player and the player you've become, because I've witnessed a little bit of it more in the recent years and it's, it's absolutely amazing to watch. So I'm curious to hear from you uh, what you think makes you most special as a goalkeeper. Like what's allowed you to go from that kid watching those highlights to, you know, yeah. doing it yourself. I think it's just the lack of um, the lack of experience. I, I've always been told that I didn't uh, didn't have enough experience. Oh, yeah, you're good, but you don't have enough experience. And uh, so I took that I took that personally. I always was finding ways to get experience and then, you know, sort of handing my resume up and and showing people that uh, I'm good enough. I, I've always I feel like been a, a see it to believe it type player. Um, where you see the statistics, you hear the rumors, and then you're kind of like, all right, whatever. And then you watch me play. And then, and then you see how I work every single day uh, on the training field and how, how badly I just want to get better at this. Um, and, and that's, those are the attractive like pieces to my game, I'd say. Um, so I've always had to kind of sell myself at every single level I've, I've been to. Um, and that's sort of my competitive advantage because it, it, it allows me to never feel settled, never feel complacent and always feel like I can get better and do better. Yeah. Do you think that that will, will you come to a point in your career where that will no longer be an advantage? Where you all have been there for so long that like someone else is going to have that feeling, or do you think that's just your mentality regardless? I, I think it's so like intertwined with my DNA by now that I, I can't see a future where I don't feel that way. Um, I'm sure that I, I also could never see a future uh, that I have of the reality I'm living right now. So who knows what, who knows what will really happen. Um, but I'd like to think that I, I'm, I'm always going to strive to get better. I mean, there, there's a certain areas of the game and the way goalkeeping is, is viewed at now where I can, I can do so much better and need to do so much better if I want to get to the highest level I can possibly play at. And, and that's my overall goal, uh, as a professional athlete is challenge myself and get to the highest level that I can possibly play at. Um, and then I'll, I'll be able to be happy with what I've accomplished. Yeah. So, and speaking of those kind of those areas, I've, I've seen some stuff about, you know, when you first joined the revolutions, you referencing that, you know, you weren't, you weren't good with your feet. You couldn't pass the ball or whatever. I, I mean, I saw you playing on the field and pick up every day. I, promise I did not even know you were a goalkeeper till the end of that first year we played pickup, which is also on me for not, uh, not even knowing who I was playing with. That's crazy. But, you never asked me because I was the only one that was on time. <laughs> that is true. We were the only, we had conversation, many conversations because everyone else showed up late. Um, I did appreciate that though. Your dedication was very clear. That's the only reason um, I was invited back is my feet were tragic. No, I'm always used to being uh, the one who holds the pickup group back. So I didn't yeah. even uh, notice that that was bad. <laughs> Um, but, but what now, so do you feel that's still, um, an area that you feel, is that something you feel like you've improved significantly? Like where, what are the areas that you're currently focused on that you, you feel like are kind of your go-to, um, not, not even weaknesses. Cause I'd say you can't, you can't be a start, you know, starting in games on the men's national team and have real weaknesses, but what are your focus areas right now as a player? Yeah, I'd say, well, that is an area of my game that the improvement from year one of being professional to right now is like people wouldn't even believe it. It, it just it's so my ability on the ball now is so different and so much better now. Like I've worked so hard at it 
countless hours passing that ball against the wall, uh, trying to see the game in different lights and pick up games and whatever, whatever it takes. I always have a ball uh, here in the house, you know, I'm dribbling around, just trying to get more comfortable with it because I did have a traditional American sports background. I did a lot more with my hands than my feet. That's that's for sure. But it's definitely an area of focus for me. Um, I'd say technically, um, I, I, I'm very confident and comfortable. So you play me the ball. I know I can take a good touch and deliver a good ball. It's more about picking out where it needs to go tactically, seeing the field, um, past the first, uh, few lines of pressure and understanding where I can hurt the other team rather than, uh, you know, just thinking beforehand where I'm going to put it and then putting it there no matter what. Um, how can I hurt the team? How can I advance the ball and uh, help my team to uh, start creating an attack as well? So um, it's an area that I'm getting a lot better at and I'm learning and it's taken a lot of film studying. But, you know, looking at it on the film from the bird's eye view, everything is so crystal clear. It's a whole nother thing when you have 22 people or, you know, 20 people in front of you and you got to pick that pass and you got to read people's movement. So that's where I'm, I'm focused on getting better at right now. And, and that'll help take my game to where I, I want it to go. Yeah, it's definitely true. When you watch on film, it all looks very obvious. And yeah. like, you have so much time and space. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, but pickup will be from nine to 11 a.m. this year. So right. get ready. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're ready for you. Um, but is there, speaking of that, is there, um, if you could steal an aspect of another player's technique, whether it's someone you've played, you play with or against, or someone you've just watched, is there one thing where you're like, I want what he can do or she can do? I want what Ed- Ed- Ederson has. <laughs> I want what Ederson has. <laughs> the way Fair. that he can, yeah, the way that, it's not just what he can do technically. It's the confidence he has when he does it. Um, it's that sort of, excuse my language, fu attitude he has as a goalkeeper. Um, I think the way that he hurts teams, the way he advances the ball, and teams don't even press him anymore. And that's where I want to go. I want to get to a, a point where a team knows that if they're running through when the ball's coming to my feet, they're just wasting their energy. And that's, that's the way people view Ederson, in my opinion. So, uh, that's, that's what I want. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, last two questions about you specifically, before we go into a little bit broader talking about us soccer culture, um, curious if, is there specific homework that goes into your penalty saves? Like, do you have a natural instinct in the moment or how much like studying have you done beforehand? Talk a little bit about how you're able to do that. It's a little bit of both. Um, for me, it, like how Ederson has that attitude when he has the ball at his feet, that's my attitude uh, during penalty kicks. I, I, I've i saved more penalties on people that I don't uh, don't have film of than I have that I have film of. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I just, if I'm in the moment and I can shut my brain off and I can wait long enough, I'll get a pretty good inkling of, um, of where somebody's gonna go. I, I, how I, I don't even know how my brain works. And, uh, if I can just shut it off, that's when it works its best. You know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Uh, if that makes any sense, let me know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I definitely think that in saying that as well, I think maybe there's been three penalties in my life or in my career that I've dove the correct way on and they still went in, you know, it's, it's a, it's a commitment to going to one side and knowing like, okay, I'm going this way. I'm saving it a hundred percent. So, um, 
So I, well, not a hundred percent. There's been three that have gone in that, you know, that I could have saved and I didn't. But, uh, so yeah, I think that for me, it's, it's the commitment to choosing a side, not second guessing yourself and, you know, knowing what you're going to do with the ball when it comes to you. Yeah. Well, I will say I've never in my life wanted to be a goalkeeper, but that was, that kind of made me like want to try it. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's fun sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> nice to ruin someone else's day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, See, that's my point. That's why I yeah. liked it. Cause yeah. No, could, fair. Fair. Yeah. I, I can understand the mentality. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't, don't need to give away any like, uh, Matt Turner trade secrets, but if you're, have you thought about playing overseas ever or, in, in tandem with that, is there like a dream club if you were to go overseas where you're like, oh, in my career at one point, I want to play for this club? 100% on the radar, something that I want to happen. Um, it's a tricky year for it. Obviously, with COVID, it's been really hard. Teams aren't spending quite as freely. And typically, you know, come summer months, there's, um, you know, the market for goalkeepers is very different, right? Like, there's a lot of goalkeepers that come out on free transfers one and number two is there's a lot of capable second string goalkeepers in the leagues in the top five leagues around the world that are looking for games are looking for places where they can play and if clubs can you know offset their costs by bringing in a loan a loan instead of buying a player they're probably going to lean that way um so it's challenging also you know with the world cup right around the corner uh, you know, do you want to throw in a wrench into your playing situation? I'm not so sure right now. Um, but in the winter, if something comes that we can't refuse, I've had some really great conversation conversations with the revolution organization and, uh, they'll support me and, and, uh, they'll be willing to listen, at least listen to some offers. Um, I don't have a dream club. However, it is my dream to play in the, in the premier league in England. So Hopefully that happens one day, but I'd be happy to play in, in any of the top five leagues for sure. Okay. Well, shoot me a text when you think you know the team so I can get my jersey ready. <laughs> I got you. I need to pre-order. So now kind of transitioning into, you know, American soccer culture, you've now been with the revolution for a few years, um, you know, in MLS history, that has not been a club that's traditionally does as well as you guys have done this year. So it's been really cool to watch. How have you seen the culture of, of your club change over the last few years? Yeah, I think the, the, the start date was as soon as Bruce Arena was hired, uh, you know, to come in as sporting director and head coach. And um, I think, you know, you think, you think about the years prior, we were trying to find the big name DP from a European country and, uh, try to make a big splash and sort of fit the pieces underneath however they may fall. And I think when Bruce came in, he saw what worked and what didn't. And and if you look at our team right now, uh, it's eight college soccer players and three DPs, you know. And and I think that's really unique to have in, in, uh, in Major League Soccer right now. Um, but it's a proven formula for success in this league. And we have guys that all get along on and off the field. Um, but I, I think it's just so unique that we have that many college soccer players in our locker room and, and we've have as have had as much success as we've had. Yeah. And, it, and it's also cool for players, up and coming players to see that there's not one route. I mean, I think your story says that in and of itself, but that there's not one way to get there. Um, what aspect of soccer in the U S defines its culture in your opinion, if you were to pick out one thing or even a couple things. 
I think hard work is like a good, a good word or a good phrase for it. Um, like you just said, there's no, there's so many different paths you can take. I feel like in, in like, like, let's say England, you sort of go through youth academies. And then if you get a, a YT contract, you get one and then you have the potential to become a pro. Um, versus here in the US, you can sign in, you can be in the academy, you can sign when you're 14, you can then be on a first team roster, or you can, you go to college and figure it out that way, or you can go over to Europe and sort of fight your way through leagues that way. There, there's so many different ways, um, but it just takes hard work. Like uh, nothing is given to American soccer players anywhere in the world. You know, you're always going to have that stigma that the U.S. knows nothing about soccer. So um, I think it's important that you have that, you know, chip on your shoulder that you're going to outwork anybody uh, from any country uh, that you're going to go up against. Yeah. And have you like, since, you know, you talked about that, the world cup in, in 2010, have you seen, um, or, or in what ways have you seen an evolution in, in the soccer culture here from then till now when you're, you're on the team yourself? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more, uh, younger guys on the, on the national team that have tremendous amount of experiences, um, from all over Europe, all over some of the biggest clubs in the world. Whereas in the past, you know, you're looking at those teams and then you can go into your backyard and see them playing in MLS. And uh, so I think that's probably been the biggest shift and, and, and the biggest difference from from then until now. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, are there any in particular, any players in particular, younger players coming up? I mean, I guess you're still a younger player, but like are any of the real young guys or maybe someone in the um, Revolution Academy who we should be in particular paying attention to or on the lookout for? Um, I think like U.S. soccer fans are all over the guys that that um, that are doing well and that are up and coming and, and doing really well. I, I love watching Joe Scally play. And I think that he's a, a really great um, person and he's he's a easy guy to root for that. I'm sure fans will, will come to realize. But if you look at that, I'm an old head on that roster. I'm 27. I'm an old head on that roster. Everybody on that team is is really, really young. And I think that that's what people might lose touch with sometimes is we're, we're saying, oh, can we choose one young player? But pretty much everybody is a young player when you're looking at that roster. So it's an exciting time, I'd say, to be a U.S. soccer fan. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's been really fun to watch. And I think for that reason, especially because everybody's at the beginning of their trajectory. So it's almost like a mystery right. of where, where it'll end up. And speaking of that, just looking into the it's future, um, like, what do you think it will take at this point for, or, or is the team there, like for the men's national team to get to that, you know, top five in the world caliber, or so let's, let's say, you know, make a semifinal of a world cup type level, like how, how close are you guys um, how, or, or how far? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're closer than we, we all realize because sometimes CONCACAF world cup qualifying can really humble people. Uh, and, and for I, for one, being a fan from the outside and now being a part of it, I can, I can say that it's just a different animal. Like, and everyone talks about it, but I don't think people quite understand what it's like to go to some of these Central American countries or Jamaica, play on fields like you've never played on before in your life with a different ball and a tough environment um, with just, it's, it's hard. It's different. You know, you, you go there with the right mentality, like you're going to get the job done. Um, but I think this experience for this young group to go through um, has 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 humbled us. And, 
you know, it, it allows us to to grow greater in the future. So although right now, you know, you're not looking at this team that just drew away at Jamaica and saying, oh, yeah, that's a top five team in the world. I think we have some amazing talent and guys that are getting a lot closer personally on and off the field. And and I, I think that's um, that's where where we will be more dangerous than other teams is the relationships that we have built with each other through this whole experience. So uh, I don't think it's too far away. Um, but what do I know? The only thing I know is that I don't know anything. <laughs> that does seem to be a mentality that's worked for you. So I'll yeah. let you keep believing that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, last couple of questions here before we kind of wrap up with a few quick takes on um, on soccer culture in the U.S. But in a lot of ways, um, you know, your story, like we mentioned, kind of makes you a great role model for that kid up and coming. Like you don't have to be the star on a, the top youth academy to really make it. Um, have you felt like a, a change in, you know, your kind of status as a role model, how has it been for you on a personal level, kind of being more in the spotlight now and being that person that, that rather than you maybe looking up to this whole pool of players, now you're part of that group, you know, there are probably kids watching your highlights and watching your penalty saves out there yeah. going out to the field themselves to practice them. So how's that been for you? Yeah, it's been a challenging, uh, it's been a challenging change for sure. Uh, emotionally, mentally, like I, I don't really, I'm not really able to walk around my neighborhood too much anymore without being recognized. And and that's, de it's definitely different for me. Um, but you know, I, I've always said that if I can just inspire one kid to, you know, chase their dream and, and become what they can, they know that they can become in their mind. Um, if just one person looks at my story and, and goes for it, then I'm really just so proud of what I've been able to accomplish in my life. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, a, it's a crazy feeling to, to know that, to, to feel that for people to stop me on the street and thank me for telling my story. Um, it, it's been, it's been a wild year, uh, and all that. So it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I, I just, I'm at a loss of words. It's just not like, it's not what I'm used to, you know, it's not what I'm used to. I'm more used to just sort of being in, in the shadows in a thankless job that that's where I'm more comfortable. But I understand that, you know, me telling my story, me, you know, doing a little bit more might help somebody. And so I might as well keep trying to help people. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of why I, I, I would say we all like Matt Turner fans. I think that's part of why we love seeing your success is yeah. because you never seem to expect it or, and you're totally happy not yeah. to be in the spotlight. So when we see you in the spotlight, it's, it's extremely rewarding just to watch even. So I can't imagine how it's been, <laughs> been for you, yeah. but, and, and no need to think too much about this now, but have okay. you thought about post-playing? Like, do, do you have a vision of who you are in the, in the soccer world? Maybe you're like, I'm going to get out of the soccer world. Have you thought about, you know, how you might contribute to the game beyond your time on the field? Yeah, I think a few years ago, my answer would have been like, yeah, I don't really want to be a part of the game. Uh, I've had enough of it. But now I, I, it's almost like I can't get enough of it. So um, I'm going to try to get into the, the coaching, the coaching world, um, whether that be at college and try to, you know, start a program where I can develop players that might have been overlooked by professional programs um, that would want to come play for me because they know my story and they know that I I can I know what it takes to develop from those ages of 18 to 22. Um, so that's kind of like my vision, you know, maybe at my alma mater at Fairfield. That would be really nice. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful area of the country. Um, but I'm not going to limit myself to I, I literally will do whatever. Um, I love being in a professional locker room. I'm just not sure. 
I would love being a professional coach. Um, comes with a little bit of uncertainty and turbulence at times. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Family man for sure. Family man for sure. Yeah. That's all I know. We'll have to wait to find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last three questions for you, kind of first thing that comes to mind now thinking kind of more about American uh, soccer fan culture. Um, what's most American about us soccer? I know you talked on the kind of on the playing side about the whole, the hard work, but if you're thinking about fan culture, what's most American about us? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't really know what defines like an American soccer, like, I mean, I'd say it's just the, the roller coaster, right? Like American soccer fans have been through it. They've been, uh, they, they, if you're, if you're going to be an American soccer fan, you got to have the stomach for it because it's not always easy. So I'd say, I'd say that just like a, they, they're resilient, you know, and, and they take every game for what it is. They don't look too far into the future. They don't look into the past too much. You know, if, uh, if we get a bad result, they're said, okay, great. On to the next game. If we get a good result, they say, okay, great. On to the next game. Um, they always want more. And I, I know I always feel the support and love from them. So it's been really nice. Well, I thought I stumped you, but what a great answer you came yeah. up with. So I, got there. I got there in the end. I yeah, got there in the end. Great. <laughs> that was great. So now here's another tough one. Um, what's the greatest soccer market in the U.S. that maybe no one knows about or is yet to have a professional team? Ooh. Greatest soccer market that no one knows about. Hmm. Or maybe that's underrated. We can go. Okay. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated is different, you know, than, than knowing about, cause I, if it's unknown, I might not know, you know, <laughs> Fair. Um, <Good> point. <laughs> I don't know. I love, I love some of those Midwest cities, um, that, that have been great. I, I I'm in love with, uh, with what they do in Portland. I, that's my favorite stadium, uh, in the league. Uh, I know people will say, oh, it's turf. Yeah, whatever. I grew up playing on turf. So I, I like it. Um, I love that it's, sort of you're just walking and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a stadium right here. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's beautiful and they've done a great job. So that's probably my favorite market. Okay. Well you stole my last question, which is going to be where your, your favorite place to play. Yeah, so, for uh, sure. But, but I mean yeah, besides no, Gillette, of course. Yeah. Besides Gillette, no, of course. It's, yeah. it's uh for sure special, especially you know on the women's side. I've talked a little bit about that, you know, what they've yeah. done um for the NWSL team as well. But Matt, I it's always it's always great talking to you. I really look I'm looking forward to pick up this winter. Hope to see you uh yeah. doing your thing on the field. I'll show but up. always um you know appreciate the conversation and always love watching you be successful. So thank you for who you are to the game and taking the time to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.